Well, welcome Facebook. Welcome to uh, another attempt at interviewing my friend Ryan Delamater here. We tried this yesterday and we had some audio problems, so we are giving it another shot here. Let me just make sure everything is good before we get too crazy. All right. All right, man. So we are here with my friend uh, Ryan Delamater, and uh, he is a church planner and does all kinds of stuff, surfing and clean water, all that kind of stuff. So uh, let me just bring you up here real quick and get you on screen here, man. So here he comes. All right, Ryan. Well, hey, man, thanks for jumping on and uh, making some time for us. I know you got a lot going on with what you're doing. Let me just uh, see if I can share this real quick. Share this to my page. There we go. We should be good. Tell me. We should be good. All right, man. Thanks for uh, taking some time. I know you are uh, doing some meetings and all kind of stuff today. So thanks for for jumping on, man. Where you're in yeah. San Diego? I'm in San Diego today. Yeah, I have uh, four or five meetings, and I'm speaking to a group uh, on the beach tonight. So that should be fun. Where are you speaking at tonight? I'm speaking for um, Andy Cato. Um, at Moonlight State Beach at 7.30. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, if you guys are jumping on, say hello. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, let us know where you're watching from. That way we can uh, make sure to know where you're at. I know a lot of you guys, uh, Wednesday nights, you guys are planning services, things like that. And so I know it's a busy night, but I know a lot of you guys are watching this on the replay. So go ahead and still leave a comment where you're at, where you're watching. That'd be awesome. That uh, way we can keep in contact with you guys. So, but uh, Ryan, uh, man, <laughs> you know, we've been for a long time. We've, uh, man, 1996 was when we uh, first got to know each other a little bit. And uh, yeah. I remember it. I was in high school and I uh, wasn't really serving the Lord. And I had a lot of misconceptions about what the church was. And some friends of mine invited me to church, and they took me to this building. And uh, they said, hey, it's not the church. It's actually across the street. And uh, we went in there, and we went down these really back alley, pretty scary-looking uh, streets or the stairwell. And I was like, man, this is like this back alley place. Hey, hey TJ, man, thanks for jumping in, man. Great to see you. And uh, we, you know, we walked there and I'm like pretty scared, you know, like this is back alley kind of stuff, man. This is weird. And uh, we walked into uh, the room and uh, let me, let me show you guys what I walked into, uh, what I, what I saw on the screen there. So that, let me make sure everyone can see that really good. So that, that's what I walked into right there. I saw, saw this guy right there. Uh, introducing me and saying, welcome, welcome to church. And so I felt like I was uh, in a different place than I had thought. 
uh, that I was going to be. But to be fair, to be fair, let me show you uh, what what was walking down those stairs. Just to be fair to Ryan here, so so that guy right there what, uh, was walking in there uh, with long hair. We both had long hair. We both kind of looked a little. Now, just to be clear, just to clarify real quick, that's me in a drama performance. I'm not a uh, wasn't a hardcore alcoholic, as if that, that picture looks like. So that was a drama performance, uh, and so. We we both met uh, that day, and I was like, man, this is this could be a good a good match. A lot different than what I thought church was going to be, uh, and so from there that started this crazy twenty year friendship. Uh, and yep. uh, so over the last twenty years, man, you've been you've been uh, a surfing buddy, you've been a youth pastor, you've been a church planner, you've been you know you're a father, you're a husband, you're a mentor to me, a friend, uh, you're a clean water advocate, you're over the place um man thanks for say hello introduce yourself a little bit we'll, we'll jump in some questions here good to be with you brother now uh, yeah 96 1996 that's when i met you um wow man it's been a ride <laughs> you you know me and we're still friends it's, it's a miracle yeah we're friends on some days right so uh yeah you know so friends. Most, most days, actually, yeah. So, um, but hey, why don't you tell us just a little bit about, I mean, you, you know, a few years ago, I don't remember, I don't remember, about 10 years ago, eight years ago or so, you uh, man, went on this this crazy journey, uh, rode your bike around uh, man, most of uh, North America. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that journey, that bike ride, why you did it, what you did. And then also tell us about the book, uh, Ride for Water, and a little bit about it. <clears throat> yeah, so in uh, 2007, I went through a terrible divorce. That's kind of my bottom. Uh, it was all my fault. I was a mess. Uh, and I was introduced at that time to bicycle riding. And I started riding bicycles quite a bit. And so I was living in Ohio at the time, and I finished grad school, and at the end of it, I decided to uh, go on a bicycle ride, and I ended up riding from uh, Port Hardy, Vancouver Island, to St. John's, Newfoundland, from St. John's, Newfoundland, um, and then from Hudson, Ohio, to San Diego, and then from San Diego to Medellin, Colombia. I rode 10,000 miles through 10 countries on my bicycle, and it took about a year and it was an incredible adventure. And about halfway across Canada, a friend of mine suggested, this is in 2010, end of 2010 and the beginning of 2011, a friend of mine suggested that I use my bike ride as a tool to draw awareness to water issues. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So this was before August 14th, 2012, which is the day that Instagram went live. So there's like two versions of world history. There's before, Instagram and after Instagram, this was before, slightly before, and out of that bike ride began this journey for me into this world of water that I didn't even know existed. And so the last seven years now has been, uh, has been a journey from a bicycle ride 10,000 miles through 10 countries to being asked to go to El Salvador to do a water project with a teacher to, uh, ending up taking 112 people to El Salvador in the last five years on eight different trips to seeing the relationships with for, formed, seeing those relationships that were formed turn into a church, 
And now, after I've been uh, trained uh, at Saddleback for the last three and a half years, my, uh, my wife and I are now establishing a network of churches called Ocean Water. Uh, and you can learn more about that at oceanwater.com. That's O-C-N-W-T-R.com. And Ocean Water does work in areas that have three things. One, they have a documented water problem. Two, they have um, 20,000 people or less. And then three, they have no church. And so that's where we're developing a network of churches now. We have one in San Clemente, one in El Salvador. We've been asked to go to Puerto Rico. We've been asked to go to Indonesia. We've been asked to go to the Philippines. So now in, in the next chapter, we'll, we will begin to scale uh, these, these efforts. I also wrote a book about my bicycle ride. And uh, you can knock it back in about a, plane, a short plane ride, maybe a two or three hour plane ride. You can read the whole thing. And I wrote the book for a niche, a niche crowd, a small audience. And every time uh, an author writes, they give uh, their audience permission. And so that's why I wrote this. And this book essentially says to people that are younger, yeah, you should go do crazy things and go learn from it and, and go try to help people uh, all over the world. So that's why I wrote it. If you want to copy that, it's on oceanwater.com. You can just click on book. So that's kind of just what we're doing in a nutshell. That's, that's seven years of life boiled down to a, a three-minute explanation online with someone that I've known for 20 years. But there's kind of an overview of what Marie and I are doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. So – you know, you wrote this book. Tell me just a little bit, you know, for those that are watching, what would you hope that they gather from it? What would you hope they walked away from reading that book, uh, you know, inspired to get involved? What would you like them to kind of learn, take away from it? Well, as a follower of Jesus, I believe in uh, there's life after death, uh, but there's also life before death. And the living starts now and then continues forever. And so, the reason why I wrote this was to give people permission uh, to go out and see the world, to, to do, uh, whether it's by bike or by boat or by foot, and go travel and see the amazing things that all the things that God has created. And also to use those travels as an opportunity to help and serve other people. So uh, at, the, at the time when I was encouraged to write this, I was actually encouraged by a lot of people before I actually did it. I had several people come to me. And, and say, oh, you know, you should write a book. And my first response is, wow, that just sounds so stupid. Everybody wants to write a book. That's such a stupid idea. And, uh, but after a few years, they, they wore me down and, and I wrote it and I actually really enjoyed it. So that's a, you know, a little bit about the book. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you're super passionate about, obviously, you've got a surfboard in the back. Yeah. I mean, even when I when I first met you, you know, you were kind of on track to become a professional surfer and then gave that up to go into youth ministry. Um, so water's been a big part of your life, but why why water for uh, this church, for this missions effort? I mean, there's so many different things that you could do. Why why do you feel like water is is the thing? Why is water so important? Yeah, well I've essentially I've essentially bet my life on this. Uh, and it, the, the, the bet is this, that water's currently a billion person problem. It'll soon be a 2 billion person problem because uh, we're going to add another billion people to the planet by 2050. And the current 
solutions for water, uh, they're not scalable. Uh, meaning you can only drill so many wells, you can only uh, do so many point of use systems. And as much as we've drilled wells and as much as we've done point of use systems like bucket, bucket and filter filtration systems, we can't scale those solutions fast enough to address the real problem. The real problem is the supply problem. And so when you're dealing with 1 billion people that have a problem and soon to be 2 billion people, you have to change your, your sourcing solution. So that is what we're doing with ocean water. The reason why we're doing work at the coast is because if you do work at the beach, you're able to source your water infinitely from the ocean. And the economic model is that we privately fund these um, desal systems at the coast, and then each of these systems will provide uh, water for free uh, for, for an entire community. Now, this is different than viewing water as a commodity. Uh, there are two schools of thought with water. One school of thought is that water is something that you charge money for. The, the other view is the view that I hold, uh, and both are fine, but the view that I hold is that, that ocean water is actually a fundamental human right, uh, a free-for-all to drink. And so if you believe, like I do, that ocean water is a fundamental human right that we should make accessible and free to everyone, then the answer becomes, how do you fund it? And the answer is, uh, we're going to be developing a network of churches and private individuals that are going to fund uh, the, the infrastructure and the operation of these units so that people can receive uh, ocean water to drink for free. And then with that water, uh, we will uh, not only solve uh, their problem for uh, daily hydration, but also sanitation. Uh, and then also with water, you can, of course, do agriculture and you can grow food. So uh, it also turns out that there's very little, there's little to no church planting done at the coast. And part of this is a cultural problem. But I understand the, the cultural side of this because I've been surfing for over 30 years. And uh, so with uh, a background in surfing, with the background in public health, with an understanding of where water's headed in the future and a passion for missions and church planting, we've put all of that together uh, to develop ocean water. That's what we're currently working on. Those are images there from our website, um, oceanwater.com. That's O-C-N-W-T-R.com. And you can see the platforms that we're, that we're working on and building for, for Ocean Water El Salvador. That's a photo for Ocean Water El Salvador. Yeah, just to walk us through this system a little bit, you know, obviously you've got some uh, cells up here. You've got some filtration. So just kind of walk us through what we're looking at here. Yeah, so that's, um, that's a system built from a shipping container. It's powered by solar panels, and then the inside of that has a basic uh, reverse osmosis uh, system inside of it. RO membranes are membranes that are so small that they can filter out the salinity of ocean water. So these RO membranes take a tremendous amount of pressure to work, and that's why you have to have uh, power. Uh, that's quite a bit of power. That's like an 11 to 15 kilowatt system. That system only needs about 7 kilowatts to function. But uh, the, the usefulness and the cost of solar technology has been uh, decelerating. It's been on a downward trend. So as the cost uh, lessens, 
and the technology gets more effective, we're now, we're now able to build self-sustaining systems for, for a, a fraction of what they used to cost. So this provides us with an opportunity to uh, privately fund our own systems and have the church be the distribution for it. You know, the church, the church is everywhere in the world, and uh, the, the, the pastor, who's normally uh, an indigenous person, of these churches and actually knows the culture of the people better than anybody they are uh, these systems will be a ministry of of their church so that's useful for for long-term solutions a lot of times people can only use this technology when there's a disaster or or some kind of relief effort and the reason why they can't do those things long term is because they don't have the people and they don't have the land and they don't have the ability to do that but if you couple this system with the church with Ocean Water Church, well, we have long-term staying power because we have a pastor. We have people that are there that are going to live there and be there for a long time. So that's kind of, that's the plan. Yeah. So just tell us about that model. You know, obviously it's a different model. Um, churches have, have long been trying to figure out how to reach their community, how to get involved in the community. So just tell us about that partnership. It's a very unique partnership between you, the the water and the church and presenting pastors, all that kind of stuff. So talk to us just a little bit about that unique partnership. Yeah, well, the, it, in public health, I have a background in public health, and in pu public health you actually realize that there's a correlation between the long-term success of a project and the number of partners. And actually, to the degree that a project has a lot of partners, you can almost predict that the project will be successful long-term. And what we're looking for is long-term scalable solutions. So when we partner with people, it takes a lot of people. Uh, it takes a lot of different partners and uh, the more, the better. And so we're developing a, um, a network of partners on the, on the technology side, solar panels, shipping containers, the desal system, uh, well digging for areas where we need beach wells dug uh, and all of, all of that is necessary and useful because you have to develop a supply chain. And then once you have your supply chain uh, in place, then we can, we can order these systems and we can scale. And when it goes to pay for it, we need church partners. Uh, Christians and churches who believe that ocean water should be made free for all uh, will then, are, then have a missional incentive uh, to provide that funding and to use these systems as ministries uh, of the local church. Um, we do work in areas where there are documented water problems. So like in Palmercito, El Salvador, for example, the average resident will spend over 20% of their income on drinking water. 20%. How would you feel if you spent 20% of your income on drinking water? Also, people in Palmercito, El Salvador get a shower for one hour a week. An hour a week. They turn the water on, it has enough pressure so that they can take a shower uh, in their home. So these, so we, we do work where there are documented water problems, where we can, we can go and we can show exactly what the need is. And so um, there are literally hundreds of uh, beach towns all over the world along the coast that have a documented water problem, that have 20,000 people or less, why 20,000 people or less? Because typically governments have little to no incentive to provide infrastructure to 
the small rural areas. So that's why we're going to those areas. And then, of course, we want to go in, in areas where they have no church because we want to provide, uh, we want to see ocean water uh, turned into clean water so that people can experience living water. And uh, ocean water turned into clean water will quench your physical thirst, but clean water that turns into living water will quench your spiritual thirst. So that's the, that's the methodology. That's what, that's what we're, we're passionate about. Yeah, that's awesome. So how can we get involved? You know, we've got pastors from all over the place. Not all of them are on the beach, you know, not all of them are near water, you know, fresh water, like the beach, things like that. So what, what do you want for them to kind of take away? Uh, how do they get involved? What would you like for them to, to take back into their community? Well, we have our first 10 sites uh, picked out and each of these sites cost approximately $65,000 to put one of these systems in and install it. So what we would like churches to do and pastors of those churches is we want a church in the middle of America could adopt uh, Misrata El Salvador or Palmercito El Salvador um, or La Heradura El Salvador and say, we will sponsor the tools and the technology to make that location happen and not only will we sponsor that location and raise the $65,000 so that we can provide water for an entire community out of the ocean and sanitation programs and water for agriculture to grow their own food but we will also send our teams there uh, we will actually send people from our church to that location so we're looking for people uh, people and churches to actually adopt a location we have a list of the first 10 locations we've been asked to do work in Puerto Rico we've been asked to do work in Indonesia we've been asked to do work in El Salvador we've been asked to do work in the Philippines we have the locations picked out we'd love for you or your church to adopt a location to raise the funds for that location and then to send a team to that location and so we can begin to develop those relationships and you can find out all this information at oceanwater.com. This is OCNWTR.com. We'd love to have you get involved. Yeah, so uh, are you open for churches to send their teams? You know, if they wanted to partner and uh, take a team out there, is that available? Or is it just mainly your team that goes or nope. church available to go? Of course, it's it's totally open to whoever would like to go. We would love to have you. We've sent 112 people to El Salvador on eight different trips. We would love and we would be honored if you would love to come with us and meet the beautiful people that live there. They're an amazing, amazing people. Also, if you're not able to go on a trip and you're not able to fund a unit, you're not in a position to do that, we'd also love your monthly support. Uh, $25 a month to support the work of oceanwater.com would be wonderfully appreciated. We'd love to have you get involved that way as well. If you're interested in that, you can go to oceanwater.com, OCNWTR.com, and just click on Give. You can set up a recurring donation there. We'd love to have you uh, support us that way. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, it sounds to me like there's lots of ways for them to get involved, lots of ways for them to partner. Um, you know, Ryan, just... 
thank you so much for sharing. Anything else you want to just kind of uh, highlight or point out for us as we, we kind of wrap up here? No, thank you, brother. Great to be with you. I'm glad we're still uh, still in this. I'm glad we're still friends. And, uh, man, the best is yet to come. Let's keep chipping at it. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's all good. So we got to get on a trip together sometime soon. That, that'd be great. <laughs> Let's, do it. Let's do it. I'm in. Yeah, man. Let's do it. So, hey, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, I mean, you guys can get involved uh, with all the projects that are going on. I would love to to share with you, talk with you, uh, and uh, share how you guys can get involved. So visit them, and uh, thanks for joining us. Remember to share this, leave a comment, and uh, we'll see you guys soon.